Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Hopi flutist Clark Tenekongwa offers a musical tribute to the sacred land called Bears Ears in a new album. As a tribal leader, he was among voices pushing for federal recognition of the area in southern Utah. That effort and the area's buttes, canyons, plants, and animals were inspirations for his songs. The recordings feature flute, drumming, and natural sounds, along with vocals in the Hopi language. We'll hear about those inspirations coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. In honor of Native American Heritage Month, we're celebrating Native arts and cultures. Today, we're featuring an exhibit in Santa Fe, New Mexico, exploring the art of parka making. To keep them warm at the Museum of International Folk Art, explores the art of the Alaska Native parka. The parka is so much more than just its final product, you know, the final parka. It's a whole outlook on the world. Melissa Shaganoff is co-curator of the exhibit. It's about having relationship with the land and the animals and, and with each other. You know, the, the spirit of Kunanaktaka, or to keep them warm, is, is really this um, gift of love, you know, and wanting to, you know, warm our, our family, but then also wanting to honor the land and the animals. The exhibit features 20 parkas from the mid-19th century to more contemporary ones. This exhibit is, is really about the whole story of parka making and really about how we relate to each other from the hunter to the parka maker, um, the person who is gifted a parka. Um, it's really a, a whole story and it's, it's so much more than uh, just a garment. It's, it really represents um, our whole culture and how everything is interrelated. The traditional garments were made for survival in harsh environments. The collection here represents Yupik, Anupiak, Unungan, Denina, Koyakon, and St. Lawrence Island Yupik. So you have everything from, you know, caribou to bear gut to fish skin to auklet crests to bird skins. We have, we try to represent as much as uh, animal material is used in Alaska as we could. As parka making, you know, continues to change and adjust just as our traditions are fluid and changes and adjusts, you see this transition from sinew into sort of modern uses of thread and then contemporary parkas from neon shoestrings um, to velveteen and, uh, and beadwork as well. A rich selection of drawings, photographic portraits, dolls, and other art are shown throughout the space, all by indigenous people. Shaganoff says there's a deep connection between people in the North and the Southwest. I think that, you know, as we continue to show who we are and tell our stories, we're only going to strengthen the interconnectedness that, you know, our ancestors knew that uh, we needed to survive. The exhibit is showing through April 2024 and is of no cost to Alaska Native and Pueblo people. The National Endowment for the Humanities, which provides funding for humanities projects across the country, is working with the Interior Department on the agency's Indian Boarding School Initiative. Shelley Lowe, chair of NEH, says part of the work is to support projects that bring people together and tell stories in history not often taught in school. 
one of the things that we have been doing is supporting the work that they've been doing in the archives to pull out records of federal Indian boarding schools to digitize that material and to eventually make that material available to the public so that we can have an understanding of this experience of this history in the United States and that we can create um, materials to teach this history so that everybody knows that this happened and the effects of the boarding schools. Lowe says next steps include finding ways to support tribes and communities that have shared their stories. One of the ways that we want to do that is to help really support um, language revitalization, language programs for tribes, and cultural revitalization. Those two things that were really kind of um, stripped away from tribes and communities through the boarding school experience. Lowe talked about the initiative during a recent visit to Alaska. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by AARP. AARP creates and connects people to unique tools and programs, helps conserve personal resources, and tackles issues that matter most to individuals, families, and communities. More at aarp.org. Support by Drummond Woodsum a full-service law firm whose nationally recognized tribal nations practice provides services to tribal nations and their enterprises and to companies that do business with tribes across the country. More at dwmlaw.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Hopi musician Clark Kenekongva pays homage to Bears Ears on his new album of the same name. It showcases the strong cultural ties to what is now a national monument with songs in the Hopi language accompanied by flute and drums. One of the instruments on the album is a replica of a Pueblo flute found in a 1930s archaeological excavation. It also features percussive sounds with clay pots, water gourds, yucca brushes, and other organic instruments. As vice chairman of the Hopi tribe, Tanakongva spent years advocating for federal protections of what we refer to as bear's ears. He continues to advocate for environmental protections for other areas that are culturally significant to the Hopi tribe. Clark Tanakongva joins us today to talk about his new album and catch up on his advocacy work. Joining us now from the Hopi Reservation in Arizona is Clark Tenekongva. He is a recording artist and a former vice chairman of the Hopi tribe. Clark, it's great to have you on the show. Welcome back to Native America Calling. Thank you, and it's another beautiful day that the um, creator gave all of us today, and um, it's certainly uh, a welcoming way of how you introduced uh, the, the new album that's here, and i really uh, thankful to Native America Calling, KUI, and other radio stations that actually promote Native music throughout the world here for everybody to enjoy. And so uh, I want to thank all the listeners that are here, and, and you, Sean, and, and the, the producer there also, you know, the group that's there in uh, Native America Calling. Thank you. Well, you bet, Clark. I uh, appreciate those warm words for the show. And um, 
we got a lot to talk about today. Lots to talk about. But let's go ahead and start with this new album. Now, you previously recorded an album that was inspired by the Grand Canyon. What prompted this new project dedicated to Bears Ears? Well, it really wasn't my idea, uh, to be honest with you. The two gentlemen that I record with, uh, Matt Nelson, who is the percussionist from Tucson, non-native, uh, Gary Strosos, who uh, resides up in uh, Seattle, uh, the, uh, the primary player on this um, album, the flute player, um, they encouraged me to, um, of course, to try to come up with a name. I had my own name, but with their um, supervision, I would say, and their uh, knowledge on what I did and information, they said, you spent a lot of your time, four years or basically five years of your life dedicating your life and why it's so important that it's only proper that you name this album Hon Mojo or Bears Ears. And so if you look at the cover, uh, that's where I really wanted to go at one time uh, when I made the testimony before Congress and up in the hill on Capitol Hill. Uh, it's at a place called Perfect Kiva. It was one grueling trip that I took, but yet at the same time, I felt in myself, you know, I said, uh, I wanted to do this, I'm going to do this, and yet I accomplished that one task that I wanted to do, and so it's only proper that I did agree that uh, we should name the album Bears Ears or Hon which is one of the title tracks on the album. Well, Clark, let's go ahead and take a listen to this title track, Hon Muju. Can you introduce the song for us? Yes, it's, it's titled, um, again, Bears Ears, or uh, Hon Muju, refers to the, the area there. It simply starts out, you know, from the north. I'm, I'm looking at myself standing here at the Mesa, looking north, and from there, from the north side of the uh, world, as we always say, it's always uh, told to us that's where the color yellow comes from. So when the yellow clouds are starting to rise up, they turn into cumulus clouds and they stack on top of one another. And then slowly they started making their movements throughout the four directions. And when they come throughout the four directions, they're being, bringing their moisture, rain, the thunder and lightning that comes along with that. And after the rainstorm, there's uh, puddles of, of, of water throughout the land. It looks very scenic, very beautiful. And when sitting on top of the mesas, the females and the males are uh, thanking the rainstorms that have come in their form of saying, Asquali, Guakwa, this is what they're saying. And then the rest of it's just harmonized songs. But um, most of the songs that I have done here, on this album are not in the form of, like, say, a social dance song or very ceremonial song, but maybe, I would say, more harmonized songs that I have done uh, that is very kind of different from other albums that I have recorded, and that is to accompany or to have the flute join in in this album, that which I wanted to do uh, very early on in my re recording career with uh, Canyon and then now independently with the two gentlemen that I mentioned here. So everything 
that I've done the last, uh, well, like say the seven years have been uh, solely on, on, on our own group that we do the promotion of our albums. All right. Clark, thank you so much for that intro. Let's take a listen. got a couple of minutes before we have to break it tell us tell us a little bit more about the cultural importance of of bears ears to the hopi people well you know getting the consulting with uh the proper people that are the some of the clan leaders out here and some of the elders that they said there's got to be something that we got to continue to protect because just the way america is moving progressing in the way of everything from progress you know in the name of of economy and it's we got to retain our history and that's one of the more important areas or regions the four corner regions you know like you got mesa verde aztec chaco 
Morocco and all that, that's all connected to that whole region. And that's the reason why Hopi, you know, the clan made it a point to to leave something very significant there with the name of Honmuru, with the bear clan that, that went and migrated through there, along with the flute clan and other various clans that went through there. We know, as Hopi, is that we were, along with the Pueblo and other Puebloan tribes, were the first group of people that went through there prior to the arrival of other Native Americans and, then of course, uh, the other groups that came through there uh, that helped, that, that sought refuge in that area with the Navajo tribe during the big roundup, you know, when they were being uh, sent to uh, Camp uh, Fort Sumner. So all these things is very important in not just the Hopi, but the other various tribes. But there's a real right. significant part to Hopi that we need. Clark, to we're going to have to take another break, but uh, stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. A new book by a Wampanoag writer adds a native perspective to the pervasive pilgrim story. Linda Coombs gives context from the standpoint of the tribe that first greeted European colonists and are most associated with what most people think of as the first Thanksgiving. We'll talk with Coombs on the next Native America Calling. The Association on American Indian Affairs welcomes all to Tribal Museums Day, December 2nd through the 10th. Tribal museums may offer no-cost or reduced admission, art markets, and cultural demonstrations. Tribal Museums Day honors Native nations as the experts of their diverse cultures. A map of tribal museums and more is available at indian-affairs.org slash tribalmuseumsday. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this show. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. We're talking with Clark Tenekongva about his new album, Honmuju, and its homage to Bears Ears Monument. Let's go to the phones now. Chanupa, who is listening on Keeley up in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Hello, Chanupa. How are you doing today? Hey, thanks for allowing me to come on again, Sean. You know, Clark, I wanted to give you a shout-out, and I hope we can get more Native artists involved in music-making. I did a track for David Montour of the group called Clandestine that is down south, and then I also did a track for um, Savage Family, a Native rap contemporary group. And, Clark, if you can, from the heart, I give you a great shout-out of happiness. But this little... um little trio that I gave David Montour, and I didn't know if they recorded it yet, but it went like this. <laughs> 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 
That tune I, I did for David Montour and them of Clandestine, and I don't know if they recorded it because they were going to use that in one of their upcoming projects. So that, I give you a shout-out in that song. That that was my own composed melody that I did for them, and I myself uh, taught guitarist, and I used to play in a band called The Electric Warriors here on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. So from Pine Ridge... I want to say thank you for being on the show, Clark, and I hope one day you might come down to Pine Ridge and put on a demonstration and I'd help you do what I can to contribute to you. And thank you, Sean, for allowing me to come on today. Well, well thank you, Chanupa. Good call. And uh, Clark, it sounds like you've got an invitation to go up there to Pine Ridge, South Dakota. You want to respond to Chanupa? Uh, first of all, thank you. And uh, yes, you know, my... Um, my time is open to those kind of invitations nowadays that, you know, I got a little bit more free time on my hands. You know, I I no longer work for anybody except myself. You know, I'm retired and stay at home and do my farming, ranching, artistry, and, and so forth, you know, and involved in our ceremonial um, cycles out here now more than ever, you know, for the last, I just thought about it recently and, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm, I'm open to that, and, and thank you for the shout out from uh, up there, way up north. Clark, let's take another call. Matt Nelson, and I know this is someone you know well. He uh, appears on your new album. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm great, Sean. Thanks so much for having me on. And Clark, congratulations. It's so nice to hear this music being shared with so many listeners. Thank you. Well, Matt, tell us how you and Clark got connected. Uh, so I've been listening to uh, native music, first of all. Uh, so I grew up in um, Paiuhanadu, uh, what uh, people call Owens Valley of California, kind of east side of the Sierra Nevada Mountains, um, Owens Valley, Paiute country. And so, uh, you know, I kind of grew up listening to native music, surrounded by native culture, uh, and then ended up moving to Tucson, Arizona in the 90s uh, and got heavily involved in indigenous music projects. I host a radio show here in Tucson on KXCI, a local community radio station. So I was just a fan of Clark's music. Um, I knew a lot about Hopi culture from what I had read and had visited Hopi a few times, but I was kind of surprised to learn that with as many singers as there were uh, on the Hopi mesas, there was only one who was recording music and sharing it with the world. So I immediately had a lot of respect for him. I met him at a, at a music um, uh, like a performance uh, festival in Albuquerque, actually, Global Kirky, I think it was, he was performing there. I got to introduce him on stage, uh, and then a number of opportunities came up in our lives to kind of keep bringing us back together over and over again. Mm -hmm. And Clark, when did you know that Matt was somebody you wanted to collaborate with? Uh, when they brought the flute out. <laughs> this was probably <laughs> around 2013. Um, it was Gary who had the question of um, the origination of the flute, you know, which you hear on the a lot of the songs. And so he knew Matt. I had no idea who Gary was. And so they came, and, of course, they played. And that was the first time I ever heard any kind of flute of that nature. And it just totally, it just totally... Um, you know, it just took my heart, you would say. Being 
that I know that sound comes from here, from Hopi. It is Hopi. Maybe it's not Hopi made, but the flute is very distinct and very comforting. It's got this deep, uh, deep, deep sounds that you're not going to hear from a northern flute or, you know, a flute from the plains that's made through different types of wood, cedar, and other products. But this flute was something else. And so when they played it, then I had the opportunity to bring them home. Uh, Gary and Matt also played for my family up on the base. I remember that at the um, family home up there. There was people that were peeping in through the window, and, of course, we invited them in and so forth. And from that point on, it just, you know, um, went on into various directions. We eventually ended up having the opportunity to record at the Grand Canyon Watchtower in 2016, which is the title of that album. And that's the name we use today is the Unktipka Trio. And Unktipka means the Grand Canyon in the third Mesa version of what we uh, Hopi knows it as Salt Canyon. But um, that's how I got to meet these two gentlemen. Um, I had no idea Gary was from Seattle. I knew Matt you know, resided down in Tucson. But uh, their ideas have taken me in various directions since that time, you know, although I was already performing a lot of times on the stages up through the, um, the uh, being uh, promoted by Canyon Records prior to the recording of these last two albums. Clark, this, this flute, this special flute that, that inspired you to, to record um, with Matt, is this the replica of that flute that was discovered at Bears Ears in the 1930s? Uh, it was discovered uh, south of Bears Ears in what they call the Lukachukai Chushka Mountain area um, by family that ex- excavated there. And um, there's actually three of them, uh, two of them that were intact, one that was kind of in pieces. But later on, they went and uh, donated it to the University of Arizona Museum. So that's where they're at. And um, that part of the story, how... Um, Gary ended up getting the replicas made is, you know, his story. But I'm assuming if he was to blow into those other two flutes that are there, they would sound the same way. Mm -hmm. And they're made of uh, elder, box elder, I think, elder wood, something like that. That's that's supposed to be pretty soft kind of wood that they make. And when they were discovered there, there is no such wood in that region. So it was, you know, throughout the journey of what I would say, some of the Hopi clans that went through there, they left that there for a purpose. And upon my research and asking others out here, there's reasons why they left the flutes there. But um, as you can see in pictures of from the 20s and 30s that were taken out here of some of the ceremonies, you'll see the same flutes that are on display down in University of Arizona that the uh, that were being utilized in ceremonies out here today that are Hopi. Fascinating, just fascinating, Clark. Let's take another caller, Andres, who is listening on KUNM in Taos, New Mexico. Hello, Andres. How you doing? Oh, pretty good. Thank you. A uh, little under the weather, but I'm getting better now. Uh, wanted to uh, first of all thank Clark for his 
opening uh, comments on. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We Hello? can hear you, Andres. We yeah. can hear you, Andres. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, the radio's, uh, you know, it's delayed. Anyway, uh, just thank you for acknowledging the great creator and his opening comments. And uh, something, yeah, when I heard the, that flute, it just like sounds totally different than what I've ever heard. So I just wanted to uh, account. And maybe he already commented a little bit on, uh, you know, how where it was found and what kind of wood and, and that kind of uh, comments. And then see what other kind of art he does and you see online or where we can view his work or whatever and and just elaborate a little bit on that and absolutely thank you andres thank you for calling in clark uh you're an artist in addition to being a singer uh tell us more about your artwork well you know i i started young uh, on paper and canvas and so i do uh, currently, I do a lot of uh, watercolor, uh, pencil drawings, uh, uh, the new new types of uh, <laughs> uh, paints that have been introduced lately. I've been using those, uh, put put some of my uh, artwork down, and then uh, then in probably about the 80s, I started getting into wood carving. So that's what I've been doing a lot. Uh, was attending the Santa Fe Indian Market up until I got into. Uh, politics for a while, left that. So I haven't been going there. Same thing with the Hurt Museum, and then going throughout the United States at various shows. I do uh, the dog carving, which I haven't done for a while, but you know, I'm will probably get engaged back into it. You know, once the the uh, my mind and heart is there, you know, it takes a, a some commitment from yourself, right, as an artist, to get some stuff done. You know, put down on paper or on a piece of wood or whatever you're going to do. But that's the kind of art that I do other than the singing. You know, again, I, it was just by, uh, I guess, the creator's um, blessing that I ended up uh, recording. You know, it wasn't really something that I had in mind. But today, you know, I look at it in a different way. Having that opportunity not only to record with Matt and Gary, but with other, you know, uh, really people that are well-known, and one of the most well-known person that I will say that, you know, I had that opportunity to perform with, which I don't think many people do that, is uh, Yo-Yo Ma in Grand Canyon uh, in 2021. And it was right about this time, November 10th, is when I did that at the Watchtower with them. And then also with the uh, symphony, the orchestra, that uh, I'll, I'll credit Trevor Reed for doing something like that for me. And um, I sang with them, and they performed with the, the strings and both with the wind instruments. And and that's where it really made me think, you know, why am I performing with uh, non-native instruments when I could be doing it with instruments that properly belong to these songs? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Clark. Let's take a listen. Thank you. 
Tassels. Clark, you have such a unique sound. Uh, just where do you where do you get your where, where where does the music come from with you, Clark? Where where does it first become inspired? Um, <laughs> it goes a long ways. Uh, as a child, growing up with um, a father who likes to really belt out those songs, you know and uncles that uh, really encouraged me along the way is uh, part of the reasons why I sing the way I do. Uh, a lot of things that they told me, the various ways of how strong structures are made or the, the various ways of tones that you add to certain songs is where I still carry some of those traits. And so when I do these recordings, um, a lot of these, you know, it's just uh, now that this is my sixth recording, I sometimes listen to myself and then listen to other non-Native artists of how they're singing, even to gospel singers, and how they structure their, their vocals is sometimes what I utilize as trying to make it so that it's still Hopi, but yet a little bit of uh, the modernistic uh, mix into it. Well, you have a fabulous sound, and um, so many, so many Hopi men sing uh, in the Pueblo villages in New Mexico as well. So many men sing, but uh, you've taken it to the next level, the way you record your music, the way you introduce the different instrumentals and uh, other sounds. And we're going to talk a lot more with Clark, but we do have to take a short break.
Does your club, institution, or other group need custom branded apparel? A wide variety of t-shirts, hoodies, and much more, all custom printed or embroidered, are available from nativescreenprinting.com, a division of Skyscreen Printing who support this program. Support by Penguin Random House, publisher of Blood Sisters by Vanessa Lilly, about a Cherokee archaeologist summoned to rural Oklahoma to investigate the disappearance of two women, one of them her sister. This and other stories at prh.com slash stories of the land. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We've got another caller on the line, in fact, Gary, who is listening in Seattle, Washington. Hello, Gary. I understand that you have collaborated with Clark as well. Yes, I have. I am the flute player on the new record, and I want to thank you for having Clark on. He's a very special person, and I have been honored for most of my adult life to work with Native people with music, and I couldn't be prouder of the fact of that. And also, I want to thank Matt for introducing me to Clark and for Clark willing to bring me in and be part of his family. Well, Gary, appreciate that call. And, and Clark, uh Please respond to Gary. He's very grateful uh, to, be, to be able to work with you. Thank you, uh, Brother Gary. And, and it's always um, nice to hear your voice. And um, it's certainly been a long, short journey that we've been on together. But yet, you know, it feels like we've been brothers for a long time, you know, getting to know each other and, and such and understanding the relationship that we have bonded together and come up with some of the... Uh, songs that that what I wanted to do a long time ago have now come to fruition and I really thank both of you for giving me the guidance and some of the uh, you know the, the the pointers on how you do certain things in music because I'm not a musician in any way I'm just a simple old guy just sings and composes songs and thank you <laughs> I think you're being modest there, Clark, just a simple guy who sings and composes songs. But, uh, boy, you're, you're doing it right, that's for sure. And in addition to the flute, Clark, what are some of the other instruments that we hear on this album? Uh, the last one you heard once, uh, of course, you know, you had the, the rattle, the normal rattle shakers that I play, and then the, um, the gourd and with the rasper, with the, uh, the, uh, the bone uh, of the, uh, the deer, which we use, or or a, a, any kind of animal, the shoulder bone is what we use as far as rasping and the hoof, deer hooves, and, and of course, uh, the, the yucca brush that what uh, Matt used. The water boards or the water drums, which I hope you will play a little later on, that, that's really something else that's coming off the, uh, what we call ocean, ocean blues. And um, a lot of the recommendations that I did um, the mixing was, uh, I just wanted some, something that really relates to, to what I know. And uh, as a farmer, uh, a lot of times, you know, you go out early in the morning and you look at your field and it's at that time the growth of season when the corn plants are, you know, have gotten to the height of where they tassel. And if you look at the early glow of it, 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 it just gives off a real deep yellow glow and that's why it's called, you know, the corn ta- yellow corn tassels, you know, and, and 
I, as I, as a farmer, you go out there early and you hear the birds chirping. You hear the various uh, uh, birds are out there uh, hanging around, chasing each other, and that's where the idea came from of the, the hummingbirds and the yellow finches, the finch birds that are chasing each other around happily throughout the, the cornfield. You know, so uh, a lot of things are personal that I experience, and that's how Hopi songs are made. You know, you don't just look at a songbook and, oh, okay, I'm going to do this, but a lot of it is from uh, related to nature and how life of Hopi is. Clark, you mentioned uh, the song Ocean Blues. We've got time to play that. Uh, help and introduce this song. What do you want people to understand about it? Okay, uh, this, it talks about the, um, the clouds again coming from the shores of the ocean, rising and then coming over here. And what they're bringing is an abundance of new life, a new life that was a new beginning for everybody. And when the rainstorms come, sometimes you see today you've got toxic rains, you've got um, just the, the different things, the elements that we're, we're dealing with. You know, you, I mentioned earlier on in the break, I mean, I heard on the break earlier about the war that's going on in Israel and area. Those are things that the rains and nature do is supposed to wash away those bad feelings, the bad vibes, and so forth, the, the, the unhealthiness of how life is today here in this world. And that's what these clouds are bringing from the ocean. And so what I told Gary and Matt when we were doing this song is that um, how would it be if we put the mixture of, like, say, uh, waves and also... Um, like the sounds of the whales, which, you know, we know that live in the ocean, to give them that recognition so that they will also survive. So that's where this sound comes from. But it's, it's very eerie. <laughs> I'm going to say that. <laughs> okay. But if you're a Hopi, you're going to recognize what I'm trying to accomplish in this song. All right. So Hopi listeners, this song's coming to you. Ocean Blues, let's hear it. Hey, 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 hey,
That was the song Ocean Blues by Clark Enekongva. And let's take another caller. We've got James listening on KWSO in Warm Springs, Oregon. Welcome to the show, James. Hey, hello. Uh, thanks again for taking my call. This is uh, James Edmund Greeley. I just wanted to give Clark a shout out and thank him for taking care of the Hopi people down there in Hopi land. And um, my mom was uh, Hopi on my mom's side. She passed in. 2001, she was from the Sun Forehead Clan, and I'm from the Greasewood Clan, and I've been doing uh, some native flutes and uh, bone whistles for about 25 years, and I don't go and visit um, Hope Villa very often, Third Mesa, and I uh, hope to uh, maybe contact you when I come down that way uh, next spring, coming up 2024, and maybe share some music with each other. James, thanks for calling. I think you've been on the show before, haven't you, James? Uh, it's been a while. Okay, yeah, you sound familiar. Uh, Clark, uh, you got some uh, relations, it sounds like, up there in Warm Springs. Hope you relations. Yeah. Yes, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of spreading out, you know, going back along, uh, along the migration routes and globally going back throughout the world. So I'm glad that he's doing well up there in uh, Oregon, you know, so uh, take care. Absolutely. Clark, uh, we're starting to wind down the show, but there's other things I, I want to ask you about. And specifically, I know you produced a short film that just won an Emmy, and it's called Protecting Chaco's 10-Mile Zone. What can you tell us about that film? Uh, it, it, it basically tells about why the importance of Chaco needs to be protected. And, of course, you know, it's, it's surrounded by a lot of other tribal members that uh, look at it in a different way. But for us Puebloans, you know, it's, it's another significant part of our migration journey of uh, what we call Yupoivi, which is Chaco, and other tribal members that have done it. So we got together with other uh, governors and leaders from there, from New Mexico, and produced that film. And I got the opportunity to be asked out there, so I, I did my short part about it, you know, letting the people know why it's important that we need to keep that place protected because it's one of the World Heritage Centers out there as being visited by non-natives and other people that make that uh, pilgrimage out there every year. And um, I, I really don't know much about the Emmy itself. I just got a message on it. But yet, you know, I'm, I'm uh, thankful to Paul Reed and others that produced that film, actually. Uh, 
and so um, again, you know, it's, it's giving some notice to the world that, you know, I, the world doesn't spin around oil itself. Mm-hmm. Other people too, but you know, but we need to start looking at protecting the land, Mother Nature, as far as Hopis are known to be the stewards of the land, and that's the reason why. I am very engaged into environmental aspects of what we do here today. Although, you know, the the way economics go today, you know, it's it's about money, oil, and what minerals come from extracting and depleting what's more left here and contaminating the soil and the water and, and, and so forth. Well, Clark, congratulations again on that Emmy. We've got time for one more call. Clifford who is listening in Hopi on KUYI. Hello, Clifford. Hello there, Charles. Hello, Clark. I just want to thank you, Clark. Uh, Dunha is Clark's Hopi name. It's the smut from the corn plant. Very good, very good name. But I wish everyone could understand Hopi. The songs, the words, the beating... It's so beautiful. I just, uh, I enjoy listening to him. I've got several of his uh, tapes, but Clark's father, Samuel, uh, when I was in grade school, he used to sing every year at uh, some of the programs that would that we would have. But he was a great singer, really. I, I you know, I thought maybe he wasn't Hopi. I thought maybe he was Italian or something because <laughs> he could get it up there. And that guy could speak. But I want to thank everyone. I want to thank everyone, and especially KUII and uh, Native American Calling, for having Clark, uh, my fellow Hopi, on the show. Clifford, we sure appreciate that call. And, and Clark, uh, we've got about a minute before we got to wrap up, but go ahead and respond. It sounds like just singing and songwriting, it's just in your blood. It is. You know, it, it comes from my father's side. A lot of them were very um, good composers, his nephews and his uh other brother named Hugh and Lloyd and and uh, of course uh, Harry out in Uraibi, uh, but they were very instrumental in in my upbringing of coming up and so all same way with my uncles. But um, of course you know you got to credit somebody and so I would really want to make a shout out to um, the the studios that that did this new album for us, which is the um, uh, the Saint Cecilia Studios down in. Um, down in Tucson with uh, Steve Steven that helped produce this album and uh, my two brothers Matt and Gary who can't you know without them I can't do anything and lately you know there's been a lot of questions as far as you know of, of any natives also joining me yes you know I've had because uh, he can play the same kind of flute as Gary does his name is Marlon Magdalena out from Hamas Pueblo mm. he's joined me in a couple of sessions and so with him, Matt, and I, the latest trip we did was in January when we flew across the waters and made the presentation of Hopi over in Dubai. Well, Clark, we're going to be uh, waiting, waiting eagerly for, for more future collaborations from you and other artists, Native artists, non-Native artists as well. But unfortunately, we have reached the end of our hour. So, Clark, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, the new album, Hon Mujo, is available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, YouTube, as well as CD. Tune in to NAC again tomorrow. Hope you'll join us.
Native American-made gifts at Ho-Chunk Inc.'s Sweetgrass Trading Co. include food, beauty, and wellness items from across Turtle Island. Christmas delivery available for orders placed by December 18th at SweetgrassTradingCo.com. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Native Forward Scholars Fund scholarships are open now. Native Forward supports Native students' higher education journeys, offering over 40 scholarship opportunities, programs, and resources designed for Native students. Info and applications at nativeforward.org who support this show. Keep your family healthy and strong. Open enrollment for Medicare and market is here. Make sure your and loved ones are covered. For more information, contact Indian Healthcare Provider, visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. Message from Medicare and Medicaid Service. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.